Welcome to We Are DB. I am Brenton, joined as always by Danielle. That's me. Thanks again for joining us this week as we count up the IMDb's best movies of all time and discuss some of the greatest films you mightn't ever have seen. This week, rated as number 38 on the Internet Movie Database by millions of film lovers from around the world is The Pianist. Released in 2002, starring Adrian Brody as the lead, The Pianist is a war drama set in Poland during World War II. Based on the memoir, titled The Pianist, by Vladislav Spielmann from 1946, the film is co-produced and directed by Roman Polanski. So this movie was nominated for seven Oscars, and it won for three, which I kind of want to go into and discuss a little bit. So it won Best Adapted Screenplay, it won for Best Actor, and it won for Best Director. So Adrian Brody won for Best Actor, and I think he deserved it. Mm. I think there have been better performances, but I still think it was a wonderful performance. I think that's a fair judgment. I think movies like this allow people to have that range as opposed to something else. Um, So it was kind of the position that he was in. However, it's very well known that Adrian Brody went to extreme lengths of method acting to try and get the best out of his performance here. He sold all of his possessions... He broke up with a longtime girlfriend just so that he could really experience hardship and know what it means to feel loss. I think he moved to Europe and lived there for a year on, like, nothing just so that he could feel like he was living in this character. Mm-hmm. And he's also gone on record saying that it's completely changed his life. Like, he's never been the same since. And that was, like, I read an article, like, 15 years later mm. um, where if you're trying to embody someone who's gone through the fucking Holocaust there's always going to be, like, ramifications like that. Mm. I don't think that that was entirely necessary to get the best out of his performance. Um, But hey, he got the Oscar for it. Yeah. Now, Roman Polanski is a director who's been around for quite a while. He's he's an older guy. I remember watching Macbeth. He directed that from 1971. And I didn't really know much else about him. I knew that he was married to Sharon Tate, who was killed by the Manson family very famously in the 70s while she was pregnant. That's who Margot Robbie plays in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen that, so I don't know how much of that story is depicted. I don't know if there's an actor actually playing Roman Polanski, um, but he was involved in that very briefly. And in 1978, he pleaded guilty and convicted to rape of a 13-year-old girl. Statutory rape, he drugged her. And when he learnt that the judge was going to, you know, give him this conviction, he fled. He went to move to Paris, and he hasn't been back since. If okay. he ever went back to the US, he would be taken to jail. to jail. And yet, he continued to make movies ever since then in Europe, and everyone's fine with just working with him. Um, I didn't know this history behind him. I just I knew that he was a I just he think was a how... director. So this was in the seventies, you said, right? Yes. I just think, because in today's political climate, that would not fly. No, not at all. I'm very surprised that in 2002, he won Best Director for this. Yeah. I watched the award, and Harrison Ford accepted it for him, because he was the one presenting it. And they said, yeah, Roman Polanski. Um, he didn't show up. He wasn't allowed to. Mm-hmm. 
and they didn't even have like him streamed or anything. There was just a picture of him, like a generic stock photo of Roman Polanski, and said, "Yeah, he won Best Director." And I don't think that would happen at all these days. And that wasn't even no. that long ago. Two thousand and two wasn't long ago. So that's that's just really interesting and shows how how much things have changed. Yeah. Um, and not knowing that, I mean, this is another argument, I suppose, because I mean, let me just say I don't condone such behavior at all. But this is another instance of separating the art from the artist. Yeah. This is a very well done movie. It's actually interesting because in 2018, very recently, the Academy actually kicked him out of right. the Academy. Yeah, the group. Yeah. Um, so I guess they sort of learnt their lesson. I don't think that he would win this if it were released today sort of thing. Because yeah. I guess the Academy's definitely woken up to these sort of people and issues. Um, so that just surprised me that he got Best Director for that. And I think Adrian Brody was very good. I mean, it was very well done. Yeah. I think it was deserved. It's always interesting when we when we have situations like this, you know. You do have to find some sort of moral compromise. Right, okay. Between what's deserved and what really is fair. So, the main subject of this movie is a pianist who worked for a radio station in Warsaw, Poland, and his experience is basically from 1939 to 1945, and it just follows what he did. And what happened to him. Yeah. And we've spoken very thoroughly about the war and the Holocaust in episodes on Schindler's List, Saving Private Ryan, Life is Beautiful. We even spoke about the Nazi values and the movement in American History X. So mm. this is something that we've definitely covered before. And if you want to hear more about our, that side of things, go listen to those episodes because we won't be going too much into it. I don't think it needs much explanation to know that, you know, this was like the closest thing to hell on earth. You know, um, we've had periods of violence throughout human history before, but I honestly think that the Holocaust is, like, the worst thing humans have ever done. Well, and I was just thinking about it, because there have been other genocidal events. There's very unfortunately been many, even in not-so-ancient history, you know what I mean? There's been a lot even in, in the past hundred years. But very interestingly, I don't know... And I could be wrong. I don't know if any have ever lasted so long. That's what I was going to say. Have had such an effect on the way people live their lives. So this was this was like pure evil, the way yeah. that it in that it was so systematic. But also, did anything like people hid in cupboards for like years? Yeah. You know, like I don't know of any other event where things like that happened. Yeah, so I think that's the distinction between this and other, like you said, genocidal events. This lasted for six years of torturing people, starving people, making them live in fear, making them live in confined spaces. That doesn't usually happen, you know what I mean? Whereas other events, the only ones that are really coming to the forefront of my mind are the Armenian Genocide, which I think happened in and around the same time, and the Rwandan Genocide, which happened in the 90s. As far as I understand, those were just groups of people going out and mass killing other groups of people. There wasn't this systematic... Yeah. They wanted them to suffer. This is yes. this is putting in the time and effort. If you really wanted to, like, just exterminate people, you wouldn't go to such an extent. Like, well, it's fucked, and, and we've spoken about that. 
that's like I I wondered why didn't the Germans just go and immediately start killing people en masse right from the word go because the very interesting thing I found about this movie is it actually looks at it from a somewhat what I'd consider a civilian perspective yep. so this is very like Diary of Anne Frank-esque in, yeah. in what it depicts right so it's looking at Vladek the main character he was in Warsaw for the entirety of the war and he was just moving around he was moved from his home to the small ghetto in Warsaw to the large Jewish ghetto in Warsaw and then ended up not going to the concentration camp so was in hiding at different places all over Warsaw and it just it follows his whole trajectory and his movement around and I'm it's just interesting to me like you see so much movement and so much interaction between him and the Polish people and the Germans like we were saying, it, it is very drawn out, and I just, I wonder why, you know? Well, I was thinking about this, like, why did they continue with the charade of, you know, making them think that they were being relocated to other places when they were actually just, you know, exterminating them? Like, because you see that in Schindler's List as well. They're like, oh, you know, just you'll pick up your bags when you get off the train, you know, you'll meet up with your family. Even though it was all just a big cover-up, it was a big charade is that what you're talking about why put in the effort i think so was part of it so that you didn't have uprisings and panic that's exactly what i was going to say so i think if you immediately tried to do that or people knew exactly what was going to happen to them they would probably rise up together because even the question is proposed in this movie there's so many more of us we could outnumber them why don't they do that from the beginning oh because they didn't know how bad it was going to get so quickly but I suppose by the time they were shipping them off in cattle trains, they were so malnourished. People were, were dying. Like, so they weren't strong. They had nothing. Um, They've already been broken down. They've had so much loss. They had shut them off from the rest of society for two years. They'd been shut in and locked into the ghetto for at yeah. least two years. So the rest of the world didn't see what was happening to these people. They didn't know that people were dropping like flies in the street because you couldn't get a loaf of bread. So I guess I guess that answers my question. It honestly made it easier to do yeah, what they were so doing. I asked myself the question, why didn't they just revolt in the beginning? And it's that exact reason is because... They didn't know the extent of it. They, The fact that they put them in ghettos made them think that, oh, we'll survive here for a little while and then we'll get out sort of thing. No, that was just another step in the stones to get them to the end sort of thing. Um, it was very systematic and that's why it's pure evil. I think to, like, you see throughout, they're like, oh, it won't get worse than this. And then the, it yeah. does. And then, oh, well, it can't yeah. get worse than this, though. And then it does, you yeah. know. So just playing with human nature and the way that people think to kind of condition them to follow what it is that you want and what they're doing. So I think Schindler's List really looks into the Holocaust and what actually happens there and what happens to the people that were taken away. At the camps. Particularly, yeah. Um, this movie is different in the fact that what you were saying, it's more about this one guy's civilian experience. He's not taken away to camps. He's not part of the military. He's just a normal guy. And 
after we watched Schindler's List and recorded that episode, episode six, I went and read Mouse, the yep. very famous graphic novel, Pulitzer Prize winning graphic novel that was released throughout the 80s. Brilliant graphic novel, I think, in my opinion. It's it's in the top five best graphic novels. Um, and it was written by a Holocaust survivor's son, and he was basically documenting the stories that his father was telling him. Anyway, through that entire book, it's very much a similar experience where it focuses on the Jewish person's experiences, and this shows it nearly as good as that does. In terms of... So the, the character in Mouse, he... Goes through the ghetto. I believe he was in the Polish army. He went and fought in the war. He was captured as a prisoner of war, went to a labor camp. He managed to get out. He was in hiding for years. He tried to go to Hungary. Um, and then they captured him again. He went to Auschwitz. Like So he really experienced every aspect he did. of that conflict. That's That's interesting. Yeah. That book highlighted to me more than any of these movies... How much hiding there was, how much ingenious, systematic hiding there was to try and get food, how much bribery there was with anything. Like, you could see he takes off his watch in this movie. Any amount of jewelry, there's a lot of favors. There's a lot of, like, oh, I remember you from this. Let's try to, like, help each other out. And this movie touches on that better than in any other movie. But if you really want to see more of what this movie just gives you a taste of, I would recommend reading that book. Um, It really shows that there were a lot of things where, for years, people would be hiding in places. I don't know how to say this very well. They were basically very smart way of hiding, right? Hiding in plain sight. They had things built into walls. They had things built into furniture. Um, And you see that a bit here, but the amount of places that he hid in that book was insane. And you don't see that to that extent in Schindler's List or Saving Private Ryan. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there was a lot of hiding and bribery to try and survive. They did whatever they could. So this movie touches on it better than some of the other ones as to what a normal Jewish person's experience is. And it skips over time quite a lot. It does. And I almost wish I'd stopped at each time that it gave you a new timestamp and written it down. Yeah. Because different key events in this movie happened. Some things were close together. Some things were further apart. Because, like, the time that he's living... He's lived in a couple different apartments where he's just been locked in by people who are helping him. And I'm like, has he been there, like, a week or two years or six months? Yeah. Or how, like, how long has he been there? You kind of have to get a judgment of time just by looking at the snow. <laughs> Looking, and looking at the, at the snow, times, the last time stamp was April, and now there's snow, so therefore there's so much time's passed. So you had to kind of judge that yourself. Mm. I think for such a long movie, it only ever really touches on elements like the prisoners of war, the places that he lived, the rebellion, the end of the war. It just shows you snippets of things that it assumes, the movie assumes you already know. Oh, that's what this is, that's what we're looking at here. But this is from his perspective. This is what he was seeing. And I think this is one that you should go into already kind of having an idea of kind of the timeline of the war. Yeah, you you really do sort of need that. So it opens Blitzkrieg. The invasion on Poland has already happened. Yeah, Um, so that was a little confusing to me. That was opening scene. Whereas like 
I was like, oh yeah, of course, like that would have already happened because you hear like guns in the street and he's at the radio station because he plays for the radio station. That's his job. And the window explodes and they're just like pretty nonchalant about it. And you were like, wouldn't you be a little bit more concerned <laughs> than that? But if See, you've already been- See, that's why I think that it's already started, yeah. Yeah, so if you've already been being bombed, I think it'd been going on for a couple of months already because yep. they say, oh, thank God, you know, Great Britain's declared war on Germany, like we're saved. And I remember sitting there and thinking, oh, you guys, you don't know. <laughs> Yeah, you know? there's a lot of time. It was very interesting to see them celebrating so early in the beginning. I'm like, you have no idea what you're about to go through. So there was a moment where he was talking to his family and they said it was October. So mm. it had been going on for a month because the invasion was the 1st of September. Okay. I remember him saying it was October. That is long enough for it to have, you kind of get used to it, but you're not used to it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, that makes sense. It's very interesting to see the timeline of his family because he was very close to him in the beginning. They were a very big part of the movie. And then he has to say goodbye to them when they get on the trains. And just like in reality, that's it. You never see him again. They're gone. Yeah. And I, I like that depiction of it where it didn't have to tell you what happened to them. It didn't go and show you what happened to them. No, this is from his perspective. So the last time he saw them, they were getting on the train and that's it. Yeah which reflected, you know, reality. I think it does do a very good job, and Adrian Brody did a very good job of just conveying emotion. You really get to feel and experience what it is that Vladek is experiencing. You know what I mean? Mm. As an actor, I think he's kind of wearing his heart and his emotions on his sleeve and making it very transparent for the audience to see into how he's feeling, how he's thinking which I think is very appropriate in a movie where he has so, so much screen time alone. Yeah, he, he really you does, know? actually. He's probably got yeah. like two hours, of, at least, of him just alone on screen. At the same time, it's never boring, you know? Yeah, I don't think it like, felt like two and a half hours. It didn't. This one, again, and I say this, there's movies where I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to watch that. And usually war epics and Holocaust yeah. dramas are those because they're so sad. Um, but it was very engaging. Well, I think you were like that before we started watching it. You're like, I don't really want to watch another Sinless List, like, you know. And then as soon as you're in it, 20, 30 minutes in, you're like, I'm really engaged now. I want to keep watching yes. these people's experience. Well, and part of it was because, like I said, I'd, I hadn't really seen another one like this before other than The Diary of Anne Frank. Mm. Yeah. It is interesting that all of the movies that we have covered on this show that show the Holocaust, the war, what the Nazis were doing. They're all showing it from very different perspectives. Nothing really is covering the same storyline as mm. each other. You know what I mean? Like Schindler's List focuses on the Holocaust, Saving Private Ryan's on the American occupation of France. Um, Life is Beautiful is also a Jewish guy in Italy. This one is a Polish guy in Warsaw at the heart of it. So there's very different sides. You kind of need to see a lot of things to really understand what the hell this whole thing was because it was massive. There was so much happening all at once. And everything you just said, that was only the European conflict. That's not even talking about in Asia. Exactly. And then fucking in Japan, Pearl Harbor. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, I, I really don't think anybody can fathom just the extent of 
how big this conflict was. Mm. You know, it was insane. I wanted to make a note and say, like, if this if this movie was accurate in the way that the Germans behaved, I can really see why people hated the Germans. Because there's a few times where they're just having fun with them, just playing with them, torturing them for the fun of it. Is that what you kind of mean? For the fun of it, yeah. I've seen other examples, like there was a particular character, I don't know if you ever saw the TV series Pan Am, it only went for a season, which is too bad because it was really good. There was a character, It had Margot Robbie, was... right? Yes. When's that set? I thought that was like the 60s. Yes. So there okay. was this stewardess, she was French, and I think, so she was a child during the war and she had grown up in occupied France, and I think her parents were taken away or something like that. She She really had a hard time being around any German people, mm. even though it was so long after. And it's like, if this is how they did things, I can understand why. No, I can know? imagine. And I've always, you know, understood and taken the perspective that a lot of them were just following orders. So there were some people, I think, who were decent people, but there was also a lot of men in the German army who were so brainwashed. That's what I was going to say. A lot of these reasons why they were toying with them is because of the propaganda. They were told they were animals. They're not human. They were scum. So that's that's very powerful propaganda to be able to convince an entire people, entire nation of brainwashing that these people are not worthy of like any sort of respect, even the human level of respect. You know what I mean? Mm. So I think that helps me understand the behavior a little bit more. Because I think it's so easy when you haven't had any sort of experience with it to forget that that powerful propaganda actually did happen in Germany since the end of the First World War. So there's a whole generation who would have grown up as Hitler youth, right? They would have been taught in school and in the social clubs that all of these ideologies would have been drilled into them from a very young age. I'm just thinking of other World War II movies that might show a different perspective. I was just thinking of Inglorious Bastards because that really focuses on how the French civilians were dealing with Germany occupying their country, mm-hmm. um, which is also a different perspective. And we spoke on the Saving Private Ryan episode, how much would love to see a movie that's from the German perspective. And we also spoke about Valkyrie, about the assassination attempts. But I want to really see the propaganda. What was it that they were actually showing? Show me the life of someone who was in the German youth. I'm really interested in that. This just fascinates me. See, and that's that would be a really controversial movie because it would basically... It would. It would basically be pushing the perspective that this is normal and that this was okay. But it was, you know, for those people... It was. It was just the way people thought, you know, that they were taught to think. Hmm. There was a movie that was released very recently that focused on the German youth. What was it? It was Jojo Rabbit. Oh, that's right. So I haven't seen that. And I wonder how he got around that controversy. And maybe it was the comedy element, the fact Hmm. that it's Taika Waititi. But the fact that he dresses up as Hitler is an interesting... I wonder if he got any backlash from that, but... I think it would be interesting to see more of that sort of side because we don't really see that. It's just kind of swept under the rug. It is. If anyone has any recommendations that really show what the Germans were going through and what they were told, I'd love to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Give us some... I'm very interested in seeing that Jojo Rabbit, actually. 
So what do you think was the deal with the German in this? Um, I was a little confused throughout like the entire time that he was on screen. I'm like, is he playing with him? For starters, I thought that he was getting Spielmann to play the piano as like an audition to see if he was worthy enough to play for the officers. But I think he was just having a human moment. Yeah. I don't think that was anything like that. I think he's, he came upon him and he just saw this person like, he's doing anything to just open this can. Like he could see yeah. how, how desperate he was. And he's pretty high ranking too. He was an officer. Yeah. I don't know. And I think he knew too, like, we're fucked. Like what's as, really as the Germany. point? Yeah. Like okay. what's really the point in killing this guy? He's lasted this long. Because what was that? By the end of 1944, I think that was, that scene? Yeah. So most of the the war was through. I like showing German characters like that because, like you said, a lot of people who live through it probably just hate the Germans, and that's completely understandable. But you must also understand they're just also following orders. They're just soldiers, Mm. just like our side, you know. They can have human moments as well. So I kind of like that they showed that, and I can guarantee Mm. you that he was a real person. He was probably... He was. It said it at the end. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, he was. That wasn't added in there for the movie is what I was saying. Yep. I think he just... Honestly, I think he he just probably felt this person, he's been through this much and got this far. Who am I to take that away from him? You know? Yeah. I'm just glad that they even depicted that, you know? Yeah. So what was really interesting to me is that... This movie was set through the whole war in Warsaw, Poland. Only in Warsaw, Poland. Mm-hmm. Vladislav Spielmann grew up in Warsaw, spent the whole war in Warsaw, and then continued to live in Warsaw until he died. And I just remember thinking, how would you handle that? Would you, you, Brenton, would you want to leave because there are too many painful memories and it doesn't resemble the place you knew and loved at all? Or, like, would you want to leave because of that? Or would you want to stay because it's the only home you've ever had? I think the second, and I think most people would pick the second, meaning that this is home. I don't want to leave my home, even though it's been war-torn and there's a lot of bad memories here. This is still home, and I think a lot of people have that thought process which is Mm -hmm. why it's so difficult for asylum seekers to leave their country because Mm -hmm. it's like it's very conflicting because you love your country despite what it's going through and its issues um so i probably would do what he did i just i just found it so interesting because i don't think i'd ever seen another example where the whole thing had been set in the same place Mm. you know And I don't know that Warsaw is actually that big of a city either, you know? That's where they invaded first, right? Poland, yeah. I don't know Mm. if particularly Warsaw, but Poland. That's the capital though, right? Yes. Right. Warsaw. In summary, I guess, this isn't my favorite war movie. This isn't my favorite World War II movie. But I think it has elements that it shows the human Jewish experience more than any other movie that I have seen. Uh, That being said, I probably won't want to watch it again. To me, this is probably one of my favorite perspectives on the war that's ever been presented. I'm not one to want to watch 
really any war movies again just because yeah. I have a hard time with them. Um, I don't think we have any more for some time. <laughs> no. And I've spoken about, you know, how I feel an obligation to watch these things in previous episodes. I won't go over that again. But this one was very interesting. It had a beautiful, beautiful soundtrack. Oh, there was, wasn't there? Yeah, this guy, he was a professional pianist. He was the best pianist in Poland. So there's a lot of wonderful music that's interlaced into some very touching scenes. It was quite, honestly, it was quite delightful to watch, actually. For some reason, I always thought this movie was the story how a Jewish guy managed to survive because he played the piano for the German officers. I thought that's what it was originally, because I know people actually did that, right? It's like, oh, you played mm-hmm. the violin, I'll take you out of the labor camps and let you play in the officers' hall. You know what I mean? That was a thing mm-hmm. that happened. So for some reason, I thought that was where this story was really going, and I don't think it was at all. Oh, not really. Yeah. I mean, um, he did that for a little bit in the ghetto for the richer Jews, but yeah. that was kind of it. And they, yeah, he's... His, uh, was it cousin or brother or someone, didn't really respect him for doing that. Mm. So I think this is perfectly fine. It's good. Agreed. But I feel like it's not exceptional. I think it was pretty great. Okay. I think it deserved... It didn't get Best Picture, did it? It got... What did it get? Best Screenplay? No, I'm trying to think what got it that year. What did this one get? Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Actor, and Best Director. I think it deserved those. Honestly. We have been Danielle and Brenton this week. Thanks for joining us. Feel free to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on all the socials. We're most active on Instagram. You can comment on SoundCloud or support us on Patreon. We've got every episode uncut, unedited, and a week earlier than usual, as well as bonus episodes every month and polls voting on what you want to hear over on WeRDB on Patreon. And until next week, thanks for listening. Based on the memoir by the pian- Based on the memoir titled The Pianist by Vladislav Spielmann. Vladislav Schmil- Spielmann. Spielmann's the easy part. Because I was just going to say Vladek. Because that's what they called him. Yeah, it's Vladislav. Vladislav Spielmann. Yeah. Yeah. Spielmann. From 1946, the film is co produced and directed by Roman Polanski. Why do you think I have an easier time with names like that than you do? Half of your family is Ukrainian? That could be part of it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I would love to have you try and read some of the names in the Ukrainian half of my tree. No, I've looked. It's ridiculous. <laughs>